Today on Blue 58, the Packers have completed their cuts and assembled their initial 53-man roster. And boy, as of right now, does it look like that word initial is doing a lot of work. Let's dig into the roster they've got right now before it starts changing. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. And Boy, we've taken a big step towards the regular season today. The Packers completed their initial, like I said in the opening, 53-man roster. And while there is work yet to be done, I think there's a lot to dig through um, with the group that we've got here initially. Uh, So I thought the best way to do that is to go first talk about the surprise is probably too strong of a word, but guys that got in that we may not have entirely expected, the notable inclusions, let's put that, put it that way. And then the notable exclusions, guys who uh, are on the outs today uh, and what we, we think of that before looking at the roster as a whole, then taking a bunch of your questions kind of in, in relatively rapid succession here. So first and foremost, guys making the roster that stand out. That list to me starts with Samori Ture. Pleasant surprise, I think here. I expected and predicted that it was going to be Jawan Winfrey getting that final wide receiver spot. But looking long-term, I don't think you can argue that he doesn't have better long-term upside than Winfrey. He's got better physical tools. It seems like he's got a more clear path to a role on special teams, which we'll talk about being a priority for the Packers here in a little bit. It it seems like that is the long-term fit there, and he may develop into something more than just a special teams guy. Juwan Winfrey, though he is a, if not an entirely finished product, much closer to being a finished product right now, is, you have to think, at at or very near his ceiling as a player. So he pretty much is what he is going to be. And there is value in that. Knowing exactly what you're going to get from a guy is not insignificant. There is value in that. But the Packers just thought there was more value. Um, in in having the the long-term developmental guy. And I agree. I just didn't think they were going to go that way. Same kind of goes for Rasheed Walker. Um, He had a tough camp, Uh, was dealing with some injuries, really didn't get a shot to go until the Packers' final preseason game, and by all accounts was pretty solid in that final preseason game and beats out Caleb Jones for the Packers' final offensive line spot. A Walker is an interesting prospect, has been since the Packers drafted him. Long-term starter at Penn State, certainly has great physical tools. Uh, some questions about whether he'll be able to implement those tools at the next level. Since he hasn't always put it together completely in his his career to date. Um, but we'll, we'll see what he can do. And the Packers are interested in seeing what he can do and include him on the initial 53-man roster. A pleasant surprise there as well. Now the hope then would just be that they can get Caleb Jones to the practice squad. I think they probably can. I I know that people worry about guys getting claimed, and if you're going to claim somebody, someone like a tackle with some upside is the sort of person that you would claim, but we're talking about roster spots 53 through 69 at that point, or, or like 45 through 69 at that point. Maybe, I mean, a tackle is more important than that, sure, but let's not get too hung up on guys getting claimed because if, if there was real concern about that, get them getting claimed or them being a, a, a real impact player on the Packers this year or on any, on any team for that matter, they wouldn't be exposed to waivers in the first place. So 
let's let's not get overly concerned about that. But Rasheed Walker making the 53-man roster is, I think, a, a net positive for the Packers. And now you've got another player um, in that sort of Yash Nyman developmental pipeline. The Packers took their sweet time getting Yash Nyman along, and now they've got a solid swing tackle there at one of the most valuable positions on the team. You've got a, a, a guy who is a great athlete. Um, we've talked about Nyman being maybe pound for pound, the best athlete on the Packers, just his overall athleticism at the size that he has is remarkable. Walker is not that kind of athlete, but uh, any kind of plus athlete with long-term starting experience at tackle is an, an asset worth keeping around. So whether it was him or Caleb Jones, it was, it's a good thing probably for the Packers that they can they can get one of them on the roster. And if they can get the other guy on the practice squad, so much the better. Uh, but a pleasant surprise to see Walker make a little little rally there and make the 53. On defense, I have to admit to being very surprised to see Jonathan F- Jonathan Ford's name on the initial 53-man roster. It's not so much that he doesn't have some interesting attributes, though I think we are stretching the, the, the definition of the word interesting if we're talking about his ability to contribute to the 2022 Packers. I just thought that they had other guys who had more upside and were more useful short-term. Is he like the Samori Torre pick in that there is more long-term upside there? Probably, if you're talking about him against a guy like Chris Slayton. Slayton's been around in the NFL for a while now. He hasn't really shown just a ton of promise. Ford probably has more long-term upside than that. What we're kind of splitting hairs at that point, too, I think. Same kind of deal with Heflin, and I thought Heflin showed more than Ford and showed ability at, you know, more like a three-technique position than uh, than Ford did playing more a traditional nose sort of role. But we're getting to some pretty fine distinctions at that point, too. So that he makes it over Heflin or Slayton isn't maybe not a surprise so much in, in terms of what they do, but more in terms of what he did relative to what Slayton and Heflin did, because I thought they were clearly better than him, but uh, the draft pick will be served, I guess. Uh, the final nice inclusion to talk about, I think, is is Micah Abernathy. Uh, surprise is not the, the right word there, but just one of the best stories of training camp, from the USFL to signing with the Packers just a couple days before their first preseason game, to making the most of every opportunity, and then just being the next man up when a bunch of other guys get hurt. Now he's on the 53-man roster, for now. Um, still, whether he's on it after the Packers make waiver claims, if they make waiver claims and sort out their practice squad, all credit in the world to Micah Abernathy for walking this path and getting to this point. Good for him. Surprise guys getting cut, or names you're a little surprised to see on the outside looking in, for me starts with both Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson. Not so much a surprise that Taylor or Goodson ends up cut. I still, even though there was a a growing consensus, I think, among the Packers beat that the Packers wanted to only keep two running backs in the initial 53-man roster, to me it's still surprising that uh, they only go with two out of the gate. But you can see the thinking here because this is a numbers game. Uh, The Packers put more value on keeping more offensive linemen and defensive linemen and even inside linebackers and safeties uh, than keeping a third running back figuring that they can handle that a number of different ways. And I think that's an encouraging sign, honestly. Um, They believe that they can figure out what needs to go on with that third running back on the roster through other tools at their disposal rather than just having a guy to slot in there. 
whether it's a guy that you bring in on waivers, whether it's bringing Taylor or Goodson or Taylor and Goodson back, whether it's just throwing Amari Rodgers in there at the third spot. They think that they can get what they need to do done through those other means rather than just having a third guy on the roster. And if you're going to talk, have these long conversations in the analytics community about running backs not mattering, what purer expression of that is there than this? Only keeping two guys and just saying, we're going to cycle through a bunch of practice squad dudes and our you know, stocky receiver at running back and make that our third running back guy and go from there until Kylan Hill comes back. And even maybe then we'll figure it out from there. It, it just seems like the logical end point of that argument, doesn't it? If running backs don't matter, well, here we go. It, it's not mattering in terms of the Packers roster construction because they would rather put their resources elsewhere. We touched on Jawan Winfrey a little bit. It is also somewhat encouraging to see him on the outside looking in when you talk about that long-term argument. Again, I don't think anybody would seriously argue that he has more long-term upside than Teray. Uh, but just the way that Aaron Rodgers spoke a- about him, just the way that the Packers have catered to Aaron Rodgers and, and things that he wants on some of the, these more inconsequential you know, roster decisions over the past couple of years, it it seemed like a foregone conclusion that he was going to be on the 53, and he's not. And I think that's a good thing for the health of the Packers roster. They're going to go with what's what's better for the team short and long term than uh, than just what Aaron Rodgers wants. Also surprising, I thought, to see both Chris Slayton and Jack Heflin on the outside looking in. Um, not necessarily one or the other, just both of them losing out to Jonathan Ford here. Interesting surprise there. And finally, big bummer for Sean Davis, just terrible timing um, with an injury there, but he ends up not making the 53. Uh, thought he had a pretty good camp, uh, had one really egregious miss uh, covering tackle or covering a kickoff, uh, so that could not have helped him a whole lot if the Packers are looking for special team stuff there. Uh, but I, th- I thought even with the plays that Abernathy made that Davis was just better, and with the um, – just the familiarity there that he would be a more steady player for a potential third safety. And we'll talk about who th- who the Packers' third safety is right now once we get to some of your questions. Uh, but Davis, uh, in a training camp that featured as wild a – I don't even know what you call it. It's not even a, it's not a, even a, possession, a position battle given the number of injuries there. It's just constant shuffling of the safety group. You've got Adrian Amos, who skates through completely unscathed in the preseason because he wasn't going to play anyway and his roster spot was never in danger. But Darnell Savage gets hurt. Vernon Scott gets hurt. Sean Davis gets hurt. Innes Gaines gets hurt. Dallin Levitt gets hurt. Everybody got hurt at some point. I think Tariq Carpenter, um, you know, just going off the top of my head here, I think he had an injury issue fairly early in training camp too. But there are just so many injuries, you can't hardly call it a position battle. It's just position battle royale, maybe. Just the last guy standing. Position king of the hill. Somebody's got to survive, and it turns out to be Mike Abernathy. And Tariq Carpenter, I guess. I'm not sure either one of them is is long for the roster if the Packers and when the Packers start making some, some roster changes here. But, boy, um, safety is uh, was wild throughout training camp. Overall... 
I feel pretty good about the Packers roster. Uh, my roster prediction ended up going 48 for 53. Feel pretty good about that. Uh, there were some really unexpected ones in there, I thought. Um, Sean Davis with the injury. Um, Rashid Walker was a, a miss by me. Um, I thought they would keep three running backs. It, it adds up pretty quickly from, they, from there. Uh, but overall, I, I think you feel pretty good about the roster. I've seen some concerns about depth. And I think, by and large, those are pretty unfounded. Because you know who worries about depth in the NFL? Everybody. There is no team in the NFL that is impervious to depth concerns. Uh, everybody is going to have problems with injuries at some point, and it is going to change the complexion of their team and change it in a big way because that's just what happens every year. Everybody has problems with depth. That the Packers have some depth-related issues at a couple of positions isn't super surprising because everybody has some depth issues someplace. However, there is still work to be done on this roster. And I think if you're looking at a place where um, they need to do some work, it's at their outside linebacker or edge rusher spot. Right now, they've got Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. Everybody knew that. Uh, J.J. Enigbari uh, seemed like a good bet from the get-go, uh, but had a pretty so- a solid camp. And from there, it's it's Tipa Naliai and Jonathan Garvin. You've got two NFL players there for sure. You've got a rookie in Enigbari, and then you've got two guys who I'm not sure are actual NFL players. Uh, Tipa does some good things on special teams. He is not big enough to be a down-in, down-out edge rusher in the NFL. He's just too light, too small. Uh, small is not the right word for it. Light is what you should go with. He's in the in the 230s as an edge rusher in the NFL. It's just not going to work. Um, and Garvin was good at times last year. He had a pressure rate that was better than 10%, but Maybe he just got lucky in small sample sizes. I don't know. Um, I have some concerns there with him in particular as as an NFL player. So the Packers need some help there. If they were going to make one waiver claim, it would be just somebody, anybody, to fill out that edge rusher depth chart. And I would even be looking still at some outside free agents at that point. Up next, though, uh, is those waiver claims. We are technically in the claim period right now. Uh, That period ends at noon Eastern time tomorrow. And teams who make claims will have to release guys to make the the roster fit. And that is why we call this the initial 53-man roster, because it's already going to change probably on Wednesday. And then teams can start filling out their practice squads from there. Practice squad will be filled in, I would imagine, by tomorrow evening, by Wednesday evening, let's say it that way. Um, And then we'll have the 2022 Green Bay Packers getting ready for week one. It's a good roster. There are some concerns, but I think you feel pretty good about this roster top to bottom. Um, There are some weird aspects. Two running backs is, is unusual, not unprecedented, but unusual. But um, I have I have a hard time really being overly concerned about any roster spot really other than edge rusher. I mean, safety is a concern, but it's not a concern because they haven't been trying stuff. It just seems like they're unusually snake bit there. You just have so many different issues at one spot all at once. 
you're almost bound to get some positive regression at some point. So one of these guys is going to turn out to be good just because you've gone through 40 of them at this point. So yeah, it, it seemed like a pretty good day. There weren't any like screaming huge surprises. Josh Sitton didn't get cut. Remember when that happened back in 2016? Led us to the Lane Taylor era. But no, I, nothing crazy like that. We just kind of wrote it out. Some smaller, lower-level position battles. And if you're talking about surprises, if you're talking about guys getting cut, and the first guy that's coming up is like, well, I, I wish Jack Heflin would have gotten a spot. I mean, I I do wish that. Um, it seems like he would have been a, a good addition to the, the initial 53. But, like, we're talking about the sixth defensive lineman, fifth defensive lineman maybe. That's not a bad spot to be in. If that's the spot you're concerned about in terms of cuts – Hey, you must be doing okay overall. I've got a bunch of questions uh, from people. Not even going to bother listing off names here. We got some great stuff from a bunch of different people in the Power Sweeps Discord server. I uh, would love to have you in there. Uh, I won't go over that in depth today, but patreon.com slash the Power Sweep. Become a supporter at any level. Uh, you can join us in that Discord server. So let's fire off a bunch of these questions here. First, um, a procedural question that I think is is worth clarifying here, especially as the Packers make waiver claims throughout Wednesday. How does waived slash injured work compared to a release? So this is this is a really important thing because we talk about guys getting cut or released at this time of the year. They may be getting cut, but technically they are not being released. Right now what is happening is guys are getting waived. They have to go through the waiver process, which means that uh, a, a team terminates your contract, but everybody else in the NFL has a chance to just pick up your contract and add you to their roster if you are a non-vested player. Vested veterans, uh, according to the CBA, uh, can sign with any team once they've been released. But if you've been waived, which everybody pretty much is at this point in the in the preseason's calendar, uh, you have to pass through waivers. So that's that's what waived means. Waived slash injured, which is something you may have seen a few times with guys popping up. I think Nate Becker was one of those guys today for the Packers. There have been a few other releases like that. Uh, waived slash injured means that you are waived with an injury designation. If And if you are injured, you can't just be outright released. You You have to go through the waiver process. And if you go through waivers and nobody claims you, you revert to your original team's injured reserve. I'm going to pull a name out of your memory banks from a couple years back. And if you don't remember who Curtis Bolton is, I I wouldn't be surprised. But early in the LeFleur tenure, he was an inside linebacker prospect, looked like he had a starting job, locked up. And then in the final preseason game, he tears an ACL. The Packers waived, uh, give him the waived slash injured designation. He reverts to the Packers injured reserve. He actually sticks around for a year as a result of that. And then he heads off to do whatever it is he's going to do in the rest of the NFL or his NFL career. He's bounced around the league a little bit. But that is something that that happens at this time of year. Guys revert to the Packers injured reserve, and then the Packers ultimately do an injury settlement. If they don't want to keep him around or if they want to take another look at him next year, they'll just leave him on the on the injured reserve list and and go from there. But that is that is how that works. Released is for, for vested veterans. Um, if you are released, if you have released, uh, reached a certain number of accrued seasons in the NFL and you are a vested veteran, you have a, a pension coming your way when your playing days are done, if you are cut, uh, you can just go sign with anybody. You don't have to go through waivers. Um, there is a point during the NFL season, I think it's around week 11 or 12 or so, that where it switches over to um, 
Everybody passes through waivers, even vested veterans. I'm not exactly sure when that is. We'll bring it up again when it happens um, this year. We'll be sure of that, but that is something just to be aware of. But um, that is the difference. That is how all of that works. With the supposed emphasis on special teams this year, on to our next question. What factors do you think led the front office to keep Samori Torre over Juwan Winfrey? Well, special teams for sure was a part of that. Uh, but as we've touched on, I, I think Torre has better long-term upside and better short-term tools. But I do think that another part of this was, on top of special teams, the Packers saying, look, we're going to make this switch eventually. Let's just make it now and just start the clock on that development process. We really want to put some resources into Toure that we just don't want to spend on Winfrey anymore. He's been around for a couple of years here. Uh, we think he's at his ceiling as a player. And even if he's not where Winfrey is now, Toure has a longer-term upside that is better. So let's just start trying to reach that right now. He may end up out of a job here in less than a day, as we'll touch on here in a second. But... Um, I think that that is the thinking. Next question. Who is third on the safety depth chart right now? That is a good question. And, um, if you're going on the Packers list of available safeties, uh, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, your top two guys beyond that, you've got Dallin Levitt, you've got Tariq Carpenter, you've got Micah Abernathy. I'm going to actually take none of the above as my answer and say that if the Packers need third safety stuff done right now, they're probably just going to turn to Rasul Douglas and say, Rasul, can you help us out, please? Uh, because we're, we haven't really figured out what we want to do with safety right now, and we trust you more than we trust Dallin Levitt or Tariq Carpenter or Micah Abernathy. That's what I would do. Next question is, who are the kick returner and punt returner in week one? It's going to be Amari Rodgers. Um, and I think that's for a couple reasons. Well, one really big reason is that I think the Packers right now are committed to letting Amari have a full go at showing what he can do. So he's going to get reps as a slot receiver. He's going to get reps in the backfield. He's going to get reps running jet sweeps. He's going to get reps um, as a punt returner. He's going to get reps as a kick returner. The Packers want to see, like, okay, you've had a year in the system, you've gotten your body right, you lost 20 pounds, you've done all those things. Let's see it. Let's let's see what you can do. Um, and I think they're going to try him at everything here early in the season. I also think Matt LaFleur is not going to have infinite patience uh, with Amari Rodgers. And if things don't go particularly well, you're going to see that role reduced fairly quickly. He's going to find reasons to to get him off the field and uh, try out some other things with some other guys. Next question, what did Jonathan Ford do to earn a spot on the 53? Well, the first thing that he did was he got drafted. And I think if there's a consistent theme with the Packers roster right now, it's that their draft picks from this year are going to be served. All 11 made the roster. That said, I think his roster spot is far from a lock. Maybe they thought they couldn't get him through waivers for whatever reason. Maybe they thought their odds of getting Slayton or Heflin through waivers were better. So they put him on the roster. I don't know. I think that calculus plays out um, in who makes the 53, though. Because 
I think it, it just becomes less of a possibility of a guy getting claimed once the dust is all settled. There's a, less of a feeding frenzy as, as teams try to shore up whatever weaknesses they, they think they may have um, after their initial 53 is published. I think Ford is kind of in that camp. The, the Packers may just think right now they can't get him through waivers. They'd rather cross that bridge later. He did look stout at times. Certainly not a bad player, it seems. He is huge. Um, he's bigger than either Slayton or Heflin. He may be a little bit limited uh, in, in terms of the positions he plays, probably more of a true nose tackle than like a three technique or an end. But we're splitting hairs again at that point. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get moved around a little bit, though, like off the roster, practice squad, jumping up and down a little bit there. Um, so it, that, that he made the initial 53 is noteworthy. It may not mean anything long term. Next question kind of touches on that a little bit. Who are the first two or three cuts the Packers make if they make a waiver claim? I do think the Packers are going to be active on waivers. Uh, they've got they've got holes to fill at edge rusher. They could use some help at corner. They could use some help at safety. Uh, so if the Packers do end up making some claims, uh, I think the guys that you're looking at potentially getting cut uh, start with Jonathan Ford because they've got other guys around that we know that they like in Slayton and Heflin. Now, whether or not Slayton or Heflin want to come back to the Packers on the practice squad or try somewhere else, or if they get claimed, that's a process that has to play out yet. But the Packers have other guys that they, they like. They'd probably take one of those three, whoever it ends up being, uh, after they turn their roster a little bit. Then the next guy, I think, would be Samori Torre, because the Packers always churn their receivers. They've got seven right now. They're not going to keep seven all season. They'll be down to six. They may be down to five. Torrey is going to get moved off to 53 at some point. They're not going to keep seven wide receivers start to finish this year. And then I would round that out by saying uh, Micah Abernathy. Five safeties is a lot. Um, he seems like the odd man out. He's not a draft pick. He's not the special teamer that Dallin Levitt is. Um, he He's the fifth wheel here. And so the Packers, if they, they make a move, uh, I think they would – certainly have to think about him, which is really a bummer considering the the journey he's taken to get to this point, you know, playing in the USFL, uh, having bounced around a few NFL teams prior to that, um, coming to the Packers pretty late in the game here, and, and then making it to the initial 53, only then to get cut. Uh, that would just really be a bummer. But um, I think the Packers do seem to like him quite a bit, and uh, he's probably got a shot at ending up in the practice squad, even if that would happen. So, even if he's the first out the door, he's not necessarily done in Green Bay. Let's round this out by uh, making some practice squad predictions. I had a couple questions related to who we thought would end up on the practice squad. Here are some names. Um, some of these guys are going to be in in town already. Uh, some of them I'm just going to have a generic slot in for for someone who, who may come in from another team. Um Keandre Thomas or Rico Gafford, or both, I think, are going to end up on the practice squad. Thomas seems like an up-and-coming cover corner. Gafford has rare speed and uh, does have some special teams ability. They'll probably try to get one or both on the on the practice squad. At receiver, I would think they're, they're interested in keeping around Winfrey or potentially Ishmael Hyman. Uh, Hyman is interesting because I think he's got some more return ability than Winfrey does. Uh, has some punt return chops that Winfrey can't offer. 
if the Packers need some depth there, Hyman could be your guy. Now, that said, the Packers do also have Christian Watson and um, Romeo Dubs, who both have some returnability too. Uh, Dubs in particular has some excellent punt return background, and Watson did some damage on kick returns at, at North Dakota. Uh, so you'd have to get pretty far down in the pecking order, you'd think, before uh, Hyman gets a crack at it. But still, I, I don't think you can discount that. Uh, at edge rusher, either Kobe Jones or Ladarius Hamilton, I think for sure, is going to be in Green Bay. Uh, they just need depth there. Even if they don't want to add anybody, they need somebody who's in the pipeline developing who can step up because they're not going to make it through the, the entire season just with the guys they've got because you never do. Uh, offensive linemen are going to get wild and crazy. Caleb Jones, I think for sure the Packers would love to have back. They probably want to have another interior guy there as well. I'm not exactly sure who that would be. Um, probably an outside guy, given that they're the other guys that they have around, either they've moved on already or they've just been more like a guard tackle hybrid. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Packers add like a, another center guard hybrid type guy, uh, to their practice squad. They'll look to have either Tyler Goodson or Patrick Taylor or potentially both on the practice squad because um, one of them is going to end up on the active roster for games here in the short term. Uh, so they'll probably look to get one or both of them back on the practice squad if they can. Beyond that, they're going to add a defensive back for sure, either a safety or a corner or both, in addition to either Thomas or Gafford. I would would not be surprised at all to see tight end help coming in another outside edge rusher. And then beyond that, you just kind of see what you get. Um, this is, you got more opportunities on the practice squad at being a 16 person group now, uh, as opposed to the, the smaller numbers we've had in the past that you can really, for one, add some guys that you may not necessarily take a chance on otherwise, or just be more willing to churn it too. Um, and the Packers certainly have been willing to do that in the past, but uh, they're they're going to have some opportunities here to to really um, try some things, and there are some things that they need to try here as they continue to build this roster. But again, I feel good about this roster. Uh, I think the Packers feel good about this roster. Yes, there are, are, if not holes, weaker spots, but that is true of everyone in the NFL. Every team is going to have weaknesses and and things that they wish they were areas they wish they were a little bit stronger. It's just the name of the game. Um, and the Packers, how they address that is going to determine a lot of how far they go this season. And I'm a, it's a process that I am excited to watch. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I'd appreciate it even more if you would share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. That's the number one way that we grow, you helping us get in front of more people. So I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate all the efforts that you do on that front. On top of that, it's going to get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.